Yo, what's poppin', people? It's your boy Kaz here once again for the Say Less Podcast. Uh, thank you all for subscribing, whether that's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Podbay, whatever you listen to your podcast app. I appreciate your subscription. I appreciate your play, and I appreciate your download. Go to YouTube.com slash Kazim. That's my new YouTube page. Uh, we're building that joint out every day. And obviously, once we get back to normal life and regular life again, I'll be able to upload some great content from there. But until then, you can watch the full interviews unedited, uncensored in its entirety on YouTube.com slash Kazim. Now, today, great episode of the podcast. Taped it on Sunday, but for you lucky people who have already subscribed to YouTube.com slash Kazim, you got to watch it live as it happened. And I thank you all for your comments. I thank you all for your views. I thank all of you all for tuning in Sunday. But we're releasing it today because, obviously, it's a wrestling day. Every day is a wrestling day. And last week was a crazy week in the world of professional wrestling. So I had to get some of the most esteemed commentators and curators of wrestling content in the game uh, to talk about it. So I got my guy Chris Van Vliet and my guy Ryan Satin, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of ProWrestlingSheet.com, and he is also... Uh, a contributor for WWE Backstage, where he does the satin sheet on FS1 and Fox Sports. So, obviously, with everything that happened in the world of professional wrestling this week, last week we had Leo Rush on the show. The day later, he was part of the massive, massive cuts that took place on Black Wednesday that saw so many uh, popular, beloved, and talented uh, WWE uh, personnel lose their jobs or be furlonged. Uh, for the foreseeable future until this entire pandemic kind of runs its course. So we talk about that. We talk about the WWE being uh, named an essential business uh, by the governor of Florida. We talk about Money in the Bank Die Hard Edition and uh, where the future of post-produced wrestling content is going, as well as, uh, man, everything that we can fit into a one-hour conversation about pro wrestling in a week where literally everything happened. We talk AEW, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, Money in the Bank, WrestleMania, every damn thing. So without further ado, you know what we do, like we do at this time. Emilio Sparks, best producer in the game. Shout out to the Talking Shop podcast, number one most added podcast on iTunes. Please, if you're not too big time, do me a favor and hit the fucking music. Obviously, this week was a crazy week in wrestling, especially even on this podcast. Literally the day before Black Wednesday, we had Leo Rush on the show talking about just his career and us working together and everything we've done in our past, only for the very next day for him to be a part of the uh, the massive, massive cuts that happened in the world of the WWE. So, um uh, shout out to him though, man. Uh, you know, obviously off the record, we, we spoke about it and, you know, he was just like, you know, he kind of had a feeling it was coming like this, but you know, nobody, nobody probably could have foreseen everything that was going to happen. But in any case, if you didn't like that, or if you didn't hear that, uh, go back to, uh, the Leo Rush episode from Wednesday, uh, on Say Less with Kaz on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, we're about to be three weeks into doing the show, and I just want to thank all you guys for subscribing and, and enjoying it and sharing it. And if you like it, great. If not, that's great, too. But today's a fun episode because we get to talk about something near and dear to my heart, and that is the world of professional wrestling. And anytime I can get 
one great uh cultural commentator in the world of professional wrestling. It's a great talk. But today I got two. So I'm going to count my lucky stars and shout out to both of them. First off, my first guest on the show is a contributor to WWE Backstage on FS1. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of ProWrestlingSheet.com. He goes by the name of Ryan Satin. How you doing, Ryan? I am doing great. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, all things considered, I'm, I'm you know, shit's not too crazy. Uh, I'm safe. The family's safe and all that good stuff. Uh, and my second guest is uh, a guy literally I'm talking to for the first time ever. Like uh, me and Ryan have had, you know, conversations and, and have, you know, crossed paths on many times. But like Chris is a guy who I followed his work for a long time and I'm a big fan of it. And uh, I was just like, you know what? We should we should talk with this guy on the show. Shout out to my guy Jatan who helped put this together. But he's a four time Emmy winning TV host. He's a prolific YouTuber. He talks to wrestlers all the time. He talks to some of the biggest guys in the industry and not just pro wrestling and all sports. His name is Chris Van Vliet. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Cass. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, it's so funny in this the way the world works is like this is our first time of speaking to each other. Literally our first interaction ever. Like I, I feel like I've watched you for a while, but we've never literally crossed paths or spoken. But that's that's the power of the internet, right? Likewise. And I have you know, great respect for what you do and, of course, a great respect for what Ryan does. So I love that all three of us can hang out here together. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy week, and I feel like this is the most appropriate week for us to really have these sort of wrestling conversations. Like, I've had, like, Ricochet on the show, and I've had Leo on the show, and I've had a bunch of WWE guys on the show. But, like, I really wanted to wait until there was something I could really sink my teeth into to talk with, like, you know, people that cover wrestling or interview wrestlers and just kind of, like, the way the entire world works and that sort of thing. So um, let's let's get right to it, man. It's... <laughs> From the beginning of the week to the end of the week, it was an absolute batshit, crazy, insane week to be a McMahon. And um, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> yeah, like so. Monday, obviously, we're all you know WrestleMania kind of has passed, and they taped the Raw after WrestleMania, right after Mania. So the the new episodes of Raw were kind of up in the air, and then literally that day. Florida Governor uh, DeSantis deems the WWE an essential business to Florida's economy. Ryan, you were all over that story. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on that and uh, just what you know about, like, how long this has been in the works. Was this something that kind of, like, came down from the heavens and, and just kind of happened? or what? what no, I think that? that it was in the works for a little bit because if you, if you notice – like in interviews right before it happened, I would say in the weeks leading up to it, when Triple H and Stephanie were going out and doing media interviews to kind of like save face a little bit and be like, no, we're here's all the safety precautions that we're doing. Here's all the things that we're doing to protect people. Uh, if, if you watched all of them, they started using the word essential in a lot of their interviews. They were mm. saying like, you know, what we feel like we're doing is an essential entertainment. They were, they were saying essential entertainment and things like that. So, um, from what I had heard, they had been working on it since it kind of started to be something that was going to be necessary. You know, when there was a word that the stay at home order was going to be put in place and they were trying to rush to film WrestleMania and the Raw after Mania uh, prior to the stay at home order being put in place. I think it started back then that they were going through the appropriate channels to try and 
request getting that status. And I think that um, when DeSantis, the Florida governor, when he amended the executive order, there were questions. People were going like, well, how did WWE get deemed as part of this? And it's not necessarily WWE. It was uh, sports and uh, national entertainment that has a big audience. So sports entertainment with a, with a national audience. So it wasn't just WWE. It was, it, was, it was a bigger umbrella than that. But I do believe that WWE got the ball rolling because uh, DeSantis did say during a press conference that, you know, WWE reached out to try and make it happen, as well as a few other companies who eventually got deemed as essential services as well. So I think it's been in the works for a while. But obviously, the big... Uh, the big elephant in the room is the fact that Linda McMahon's organ, uh, her super PAC that is uh, to getting trying to get Trump reelected right now. Um, they donate, not donated. They committed $18.5 million to the state of Florida uh, in Orlando and Tampa Bay on the same day that the executive order was amended. And the, <laughs> It, it's hard not to look at that and, and wonder if it played a part. In some yeah, because like even I'm like, all right, well, uh, what's what else was essential there? I'm, I'm assuming like Disney World. I'm sure they went out. It was well. It was it was uh dis- it was not not all of Disney World, but it was uh the people who are going to tend the gardens and stuff like that at Disney World and and deal with the animals. So that okay. way, when it does reopen. Uh, they're not even more in debt by having like all their, you know, the entire place look like crap, you know, animals have suffered from it. So it was like, a, it was a lot of that okay. uh, payroll people as well related to the park. So it was like uh, limited employees that need to help people get paid as well. Uh, and other in-office things, as long as social distancing was happening. And then I believe the other one was rehab facilities. So it was like um, people that need to go to AA type stuff so that that way, um, people could still have their meetings and stuff, but you know, social distancing as well. Chris, you want to jump on that? Well, it actually makes me wonder. Maybe Ryan, you maybe you know more about this than I do, but it makes me wonder if that's why AEW moved their stuff from Florida to Georgia because they were taping their empty arena shows, their live episodes of Dynamite from Daly's place in Jacksonville. Now they've been doing them from their training facility in Atlanta. And it makes me wonder if they left Florida because of the rules and regulations there and then went across the state line to Georgia to make their stuff happen. Because other than WWE and the news, AEW is pretty much the only other thing that's uh, live on TV right now. Yeah, the, the, there's two reasons why they did that. One, yeah, the regulations were going to come down. And I think that they didn't believe that they would be deemed essential. So they were like, we got to get out of here. Uh, secondly, uh, Daly's Place, where they shoot, became a testing center in Florida for coronavirus. And I think that uh, they can't, you know, they can't, for some reason it was like that, that parking lot had to, what was deemed a, a, like a place for coronavirus testing. So they don't want shows being run at Daly's Place right now because people are going there uh, to get tested. However, I do think that because AEW this week announced that Double or Nothing officially is not happening in Las Vegas, but it's still going to be on pay-per-view. The fact that they announced that right after Florida said wrestling could take place there yeah. makes me think that they're going to do something in Florida for Double or Nothing. Right, and that's kind of always been the that's been like the prevailing sentiment with with everything going on with WWE because it's like 
Right. You look online and it's very easy to paint the WWE as the big bad wolf. And oh my God, they got Trump pockets and there's blood on their hands. And that's a very easy thing to kind of like try and defend. And now, you know, you, you had people saying, well, look, AEW is kind of doing the same thing. And that seemed like a pretty strong leg to stand on up until the very next day, which was Black Wednesday. <laughs> and, you know, and now we're at a point where it's just un- like unprecedented layoffs like think like there's always been like that i think black tuesday or monday like back in the day where they would have a a black friday would have like a semblance of layoffs the wwe and you can kind of usually see it coming with like people who aren't really used on tv or uh people that were kind of written off from storylines or or there was like the conclusion of somebody's big story arc like a jeff hardy type thing when he's like ready to go away and that type of stuff that was usually you know you can kind of see those coming Black Wednesday was something I never, like, in a million years, like, even, uh, and I mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast, you know, we talked to Leo, and uh, right after we went off the air, he was like, you know, he kind of had a feeling that, you know, like, something was about to go down because, like, you know, things, people were getting written off and, like, certain things weren't really, you know, people weren't being as, as communicative as they used to be. And, uh, you know, he was the least... I mean, not the least of the issues, but I mean, like, my God, like, Leo Rush, Kurt Angle, the the the, the OC, um, Sarah Logan, uh, just oh, – yeah, The list goes on and on and on and on. It was it was <clears throat> insanity. It's Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, all these people. Uh, Chris, uh, when it came to Black Wednesday, what do you think the, the fallout is going to be as, as far as how people look at the company, especially after this week where – you know, there might have been some people are looking at it like a shady dealing, a shady political dealing. And then, you know, people are trying to save money. And now you're, you're cutting all these people off uh, from earning a living. What do you think the WWE is going to look like in the, in the next few months because of this? Well, I've been saying for the last few weeks that <clears throat> I love that WWE is continuing with the live shows because it's given us this tiny little sliver of normalcy in our world when everything else is completely abnormal and completely crazy. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that Raw was continuing, SmackDown is continuing. We talked about Dynamite also continuing. I love that that was happening. And then last Wednesday – Boom, we got smacked in the face that maybe stuff wasn't really as normal as we thought it was. And I think that some of these layoffs were probably inevitable. Some of these were going to happen anyway whenever their next round of cuts were happening. And then I think that other ones, they just needed to save some money. They're not doing live events right now. Not as much money is coming in. With that said, though, I would have to think that when the economy does start to rebound, when stuff does start to take off again, when there is the chance to sell those tickets and have Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views in front of an audience, have live events again, I would think that a lot of those people that got let go would probably be invited back. I think that some of them were just being paid a lot of money and probably not doing a ton of stuff for them. So, you know, that was an easy way to cut some money now, maybe six months, a year, 18 months from now, I think that we'll see some of those people back on. But, man, you talk about the uh, the outcome of this and, like, how it looks. I thought the WWE stock was going to tank, and yeah. I couldn't believe it, that the stock is actually up after all this is going on. Well, I mean, that's what everyone gave them crap, saying, like, well, you were worried about your profit margins over family, and so that's why you, you know, why you see that happening. Like, yeah, they were focused on their profit margins. That's why the, the, the stock wasn't affected as much. But, uh, yeah, a terrible day. Terrible, terrible day. I think that, you know, a lot of these guys, I think that, you know, 
a lot of them, because I, when I had heard this might happen, I was wondering if they were going to do like a bulk thing where they were going to get rid of a lot of the people who are just the bottom, you know, the, right. the, 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 the NXT UKs and the, the people mm. who, you know, stuff like that. But right. it seems to me like they went the opposite way of like, who's making the most money that we're not using. And I think that's why, like you said, why we saw, uh, you know, guys like Zack Ryder and Rusev and Mike Kyoto, who were guys that had been around for a while in the company. And you know, they were only making more and more as that was happening. And I think also, you know, like you said, Chris, you know, with the money thing, a lot of these guys were, were some of the, it looked to me, at least when I was looking at the name, the names that were on the list, a lot of guys that kind of may have used AEW being in, in the, in the business uh, as leverage, so to speak, uh, where it was like, you know, we're going to leave. Okay. We'll pay you a lot more money. No, that's not enough. We'll pay you even more. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll stay. Mm. Some of those guys were there, you know, the OC, um, you know, I think Rusev, it's been reported that he was at least going back and forth for a while about a possible new contract. Um, Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis wanted to leave multiple times and they got them to stay. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting to see to me, the people that they chose, uh, you know, that, that were making a lot of money. To me, the, the most baffling two were Rusev and, and Zack Ryder, though. I think they were two guys who were, they were WWE guys. I mean, like, Zack Ryder and Rusev were just, like, I mean, so liked behind the scenes, uh, born and raised in the company for the most part. Um, those were the, the most surprising to me, but I also think that those two will see the most success outside of WWE in some way. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, with everybody mm-hmm. with... You know, it almost feels like back in the day, and I'm probably dating myself right now, uh, when, when there used to be mass layoffs right when WCW started launching, that's when they really started to catch their stride after they came up from, uh, you know, Jim Crockett Productions and became what was now known as WCW. Once this whole kind of like fallout kind of ends, which of the released talents and you know, you could probably in- include the revival since they're kind of like buried in the lead right now <laughs> with yeah. all the people that got released. Who do you think is probably uh, set up for the most success uh, going into the future? Chris, I'll let you have it. Well, Cody Rhodes put out a very nice post about Zack Ryder, you know, right after his release. And I know that they're good friends. I know they work together. And obviously, Cody pulls a lot of strings in uh, AEW. So, pulls all the strings. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Even if uh, even if uh, he doesn't end up in AEW, that's a pretty nice endorsement. And look, I, I think that uh, now is the best time to be an independent wrestler too. Like I don't think they have to sign with an NWA, an Impact Wrestling, an AEW, a Ring of Honor, New Japan, whatever, to go and have a great career. And I think that people like Joey Ryan and you know before he signed with AEW, Cole Cabana have certainly proved that. Also, the indies right now are kind of thin in terms of like having that top tier talent. A lot of that talent has been eaten up by the people who've been signed. So I think that if you're a Kurt Hawkins, a Heath Slater, uh, you know, the revival, any of these people, you can go and make a pretty nice name for yourself on the independence right now, continue to sell your merch. Both Zack Ryder and Heath Slater have the top selling items on pro wrestling tees right now. I think that everyone's going to be okay with this. I just certainly hope that this is the end of it. I hope that we don't get another message next week or the week after that of like, well, here's 15 more people. I, I the only thing I'll say to that is, you know, unfortunately the world's going to be affected by all of this. And we're sitting here talking in our living rooms, you know, uh, the, the indie scene is not going to be the indie, the thriving indie scene that it once was when all this ends, you know, there's going to be social distancing in place. It's going to be half the audiences. Uh, a lot of these companies got 
screwed financially because they had shows that were going to run WrestleMania weekend. Um, you know, unfortunately, the indie scene when you know when when that when we're all allowed to go back out, it's not going to be the thriving scene it once was for a minute. It's going to take a it's going to take a little bit of time. So, as much as I, I that that sounds like it would have been the case prior to all of this, I think it's a little different in this current climate. And I think that some of these guys are going to have a more difficult time uh, finding uh, work. And I don't think signing with a big company is a bad idea at all. I, I don't, I don't think the indie scene is going to be as, as thriving. Unfortunately, I think that, um, you know, a lot of these guys should sign deals if, if they can, you know, the revival clearly are going to AEW. It seems like that's already, it was already in the works. I have a hard time believing that deal gets pulled because of a pandemic. I just don't buy that. I feel like that's probably already said and done. Um, but I do wonder if, you know, AEW signs any of these guys right now, you know, or Impact or, you know, I mean, Impact maybe signs Eric Young just because he's a legend and Impact and Scott sure. Moore, who also has a pull in the company, tweeted saying, like, why would anyone ever fire Eric Young ever? So yeah. maybe that, you know, someone like Eric Young sees a home there. I think that Zack Ryder, like you said, Chris, you know, Cody's already pumping him up. I think we see Zack Ryder in AEW soon. Um, but I think it is going to be a little more difficult for some of these guys right now, especially when the market gets flooded like that with 22 guys or whatever the number is. It's going to be a little more difficult. Well, I think that everyone just automatically assumes when someone leaves WWE, they're going to get picked up. They're going to get signed by AEW. But Not that easy. But you got to remember, they only have three hours of wrestling to fill in a week, and you know the. Yeah, but they've also signed most guys that left the company. So far. Right. They like, have signed a lot crazy. of people. Right? At this point, there's people on AEW that I want to see that still aren't getting on TV. Like I don't see a lot of Sunny Kiss. I barely see Nala Rose. She's the women's champion. Like there's so many things that you know it's not that easy for people to just be like, oh well, they'll just go to AEW and they'll just like wave a magic wand and everything will be fine. So obviously, now, granted, I do I know we also haven't seen MJF in a while, and that's some who they were, you know, having on almost every show, but you know, well, that's because he's not being flown in because he's part. He's in New York where it's a hot spot, so it's not right. like they're not right. using him. It's because he couldn't fly in, but, similar to the exactly. Other so what I'm saying is, what's going on right now on Dynamite is not indicative of what's going to happen, you know, two and three and four months from now. Yeah, and and that's kind of what, what what makes it a little difficult for me because you know a lot of these guys, you know, you really really don't know where the chips are going to fall for them, and you know. Granted, I know they're 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 probably going to put on another sort of AEW sort of like Thunder type show in, in the future. So maybe if that happens, but now you know all everything's for sale at this point. Like, who really knows what's going to still be in play a couple of months from now? And you know, even if it was agreed to last year or the year before it, that, it reminds me a lot of the writers' strike that happened in Hollywood a few years back. Right. I remember, and there were like all these shows that were in the works, like that. Heroes was going to have this cool spinoff where it was going to be like one-off episodes with cool directors, and I was so hyped for it. And then the writer's strike happened. All these cool shows I was hyped on just all went away. So I also wonder that same thing, that that second show you referred to. Since AEW's ratings have gone down, obviously, of course they have in all of this, you know, so it's not like to their fault or anything like that. But because the ratings have gone down, um, there's less interest in these um, crowdless shows. Uh, I wonder if that second show uh, gets delayed as well. I've been wondering that. I'm I'm actually curious to hear your take on this, Ryan and Kaz as well. Why are the ratings down? We are literally a captive audience. Yeah. Everybody's at home. You got nowhere to go. You got nobody to see. And I mean, in theory, the ratings should be through the roof. But right. perhaps well, two things, I think you go. I, 
Uh, nobody's well, I'll tell you this. I feel like uh, with with this company, especially AEW, I feel like they've hurt the most throughout this entire pandemic. Like, oh, yeah. Granted, the WWE is the only show in town. And this is why I always told people, like, when these massive layoffs are happening and everyone's like, oh, my God, AEW changed their town. I'm like, listen, feel how you feel about AEW. WWE is like the fucking is, – is like the chapstick, right? Like, they're chapstick of professional wrestling. If chapstick is doing bad – Lip balm everywhere is doing bad, right? So <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. You know, if, if you're if if and these guys were just hitting their stride, like, and I've been vocal about like, you know, some of my AEW support or or lack thereof. Like, people are always like, oh, you're a former WWE guy. You're you're always. I'm like, nah, man. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. Like, I came in as a wrestling fan. So like, if there's some dope wrestling, I'm gonna support it. But you know, I had my qualms about the company, but. You know, they answered their mid-card. The tag team division really got hot with the Adam Page and Kenny Omega stuff. Um, I think Cody is probably, like, the best mic in the game right now. Like, they were really catching their stride. And, you know, even with casual visitors or casual viewers, I would always have people who I know don't watch wrestling, but know I do. And, like, yo, you heard this thing on TNT? Like, it looks crazy because of the fans and the energy and, like, how many people. And – Without that, without that, like, you know, rabid, insane fan base that we see on the internet every day in real life on a TV screen, AEW looks really fucking minorly compared to everything else going on out there. And it's like, damn, you can really see the difference in, you know, not just the the, the separate women's divisions between AEW and WWE, but just production-wise, too. Like, it's been, outside of anything Chris Jericho has shot, like... Everything has just looked really, really a step behind WWE without that crowd. I feel like they were kind of like the MVPs of that company going into it. And now, you know, we really don't know what, what's, what the future holds for them. And I think that's why AEW made sure to put some people in the crowd for that very reason. Because I think you're, you nailed it 100%. Is I think that the, the, the energy of the crowd is a big part of the allure of AEW Dynamite when you're seeing them pop nonstop the whole time. You're like, right. I want to be involved. I want to watch this. Like, look right. how you want to be there. Like, it, it, yeah. feels like, it feels like late 90s wrestling where, like, people mm-hmm. are engaged in every single segment. And that's, that's – And WWE is more focused on, like, the production. You know, like, it's a yeah. – there's storyline. There's much more story. Uh, there's there's much more production value. Uh, there's, there's there's much more focus on all that stuff. And I, and I absolutely yeah, – I think na- you nailed it 100%, Kaz. I also think that the ratings thing – um, you know, everyone keeps saying, well, everyone's at home, so why aren't the ratings up? And it bothers me because that's not how ratings work. Like, mm. like ratings are based off of people who have a certain, like a certain number of people who have the Nielsen boxes. So, like, I, 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 it makes me mad because it's never like, been an well, accurate description an accurate of if your show is proper or not. I'm like, yeah, and, and, and obviously the people that are antique way of looking at shit. Yeah, and it's also like the people who are home that have the Nielsen boxes are probably watching the freaking news right now. Like, and so there are obviously more people watching wrestling than than normal right now that are bored at home, but they're not people with Nielsen boxes, so they don't get factored into the stupid equation. So it's ah, a stupid equation. It's the stupidest equation, dude. This, oh, I hate the Nielsen thing. It drives me crazy, dude. I, yeah, oh. every week, and, and you know, and, and we'll 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 swing right into that right now. Uh, this past <laughs> Wednesday, uh, AEW NXT, the Wednesday Night Wars, continue. On one side, you had Moxley versus uh, Hager 
for the World Heavyweight Championship for AEW. On NXT, you had a debuting Timothy Timothy Thatcher. God, that was a tongue twister. (laughs) Debuting Timothy Thatcher with Matt Riddle for the tag team titles against the Undisputed Era. And the debut of uh, Karrion Cross. I guess his name is, not not Killer Cross. Um, I would love to know from you guys, uh, this is the second week in a row NXT has beat AEW in, in, in overall viewers. Um, what do you think? What did you first off? What did you think of the main event of AEW Hager versus Moxley? I wanted it to be live, and I think, think the fact that they kept throwing to the fact that it was going to be Jr. that was commentating it, and it was, you know, obviously pre-taped. I think that kind of that took a little bit of the excitement away from it for me. I thought it was interesting, but it took a little bit of the excitement away from what it could have been. I appreciate, though, that AEW every single week is starting the show with wrestling and is ending the show with wrestling. Right. And I think that's something that I really appreciate from you know what they're doing versus what WWE is doing. You can turn it on at 8.02 and know that a wrestling match is going to be occurring. You turn it on Raw at 8.18, they still might not have a wrestling match on. Mm-hmm. And I think that I really appreciate that it's, it's nonstop action for two hours. NXT uh, right now versus NXT from, like, eight months ago looks so vastly different. And I appreciate that they've been making the changes so that they can go head to head with AEW and really carve out a brand for themselves. And man, it's been exciting to watch. It's been exciting to see what AEW does on Wednesday. And then it's exciting to see what NXT does. It's also funny that you talk about killer cross, not being able to be killer cross because this doesn't sound very, uh, yeah, like family friendly. Yeah, Carrion is definitely very family friendly. Why can't he be Kevin Cross? I mean, that would make sense. I thought the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I was like, Kevin Cross sounds much tougher than than (laughs) Carrion Cross. Carrion Cross sounds like... You know, remember the old NXT name generator? When I used to work there, we used to have, like, the NXT name generator. And I feel like, Ryan, you retweeted it with with Jen Pepper. We always called her Jinx Pepley because that was her NXT names. (laughs) 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 So the Carrion Cross thing always makes me laugh because I'm just like, you know... And uh, in addition to that, uh, and like I said uh, on Twitter, I'm starting to call every episode of NXT from this point on the Bivens bump. Every time Malcolm Bivens <laughs> has been on NXT, they have beaten AEW in the ratings. So um, uh, before we get into that, Ryan, I'd love to get, hear your thoughts on the Moxley Hager match. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people weren't really weren't really digging I it. it. I yeah. didn't love it. And you know what's, you know what's weird is. I saw people that loved it, but then those are the same people that talked crap on Edge versus Orton, which was only like 10 minutes longer, Edge versus Orton. <laughs> and to me, at least Edge versus Orton, they they went to different rooms. It felt like they were like, it was like a video game and they were progressing through different levels and they were right. getting to do different things and playing off of the different things in each room. Like whether it was the, the, the weight thing that edge jumped off of or mm. you know, going up on top of the truck, they at least like did different things to fill the time. And I felt like with Moxley versus Hager, they were just in like one zone kind of for the most right. part, they went outside the ring inside there, but it was kind of like in the same general area and same somber kind of like tone from Jr. of like, you know, playing it real serious by himself. <laughs> and, and I just, I didn't dislike the match, but I was more confused. I was like, how come the internet dumped all over Edge versus Orton for being too long when this match was like only 10 minutes shorter and it was not as much and people were praising it like it was this great thing. I saw both. It was mixed. It was very mixed on this right, match. It's because, it's because I'm going I'm to get you to think, uh, think 
like me one of these days is because wrestling fans are the biggest threats to professional wrestling that there has ever been. <laughs> once we get past it's you, you got to think like Thanos. It's like once we get past the humanity of not having to have wrestling fans be a part of wrestling, <laughs> wrestling will be so great. It'll be so great because literally Edge and Orton, Moxley and Hager, very similar matches. Like it, 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 very similar in the sense that okay, I can understand why Edge and Orton goes a little longer. The story's been told for about eight weeks. This is Edge's first singles match since for, for, for nine years. Like, there's, we just watched this whole great 24 documentary. If they want to go 40 minutes, let them go 40 minutes. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that, right? And that's definitely a, a match that deserves a crowd because you're thinking of the epic entrances. You're thinking of, like, Metalingus playing Edge to the ring for the first time and, like, the first time you've really seen him, like, come through that crowd. Like I'll never forget the look he had when he walked through that smoke at the Royal Rumble and you're thinking of it at WrestleMania and it's just like such a fucking letdown. So as a fan, I could understand why, but wrestling fans have this thing that is called context that they usually never really have. Like, <laughs> you, like Ryan, you come from the entertainment world. Chris, you go from, you come from the entertainment world where your scope is a lot bigger than wrestling, but you have the proper appreciation for it to see where it goes in the annals of entertainment, right? Yeah. Yep. The fact that the shows are even going on, you look at it, at it through a different lens, right? Yeah, yeah. Not fucking wrestling fans. They're just like, no, this is a shit <laughs> match. We got to throw it out. Like, it's, it's, what, what are you thinking at this point? Like, Chris, <laughs> please help me out here because, I mean, I didn't think the Moxley uh, Hager match was that bad. I mean, I, if you're into Moxley matches, if you're into gore and, and the brawling and yeah. the, you know, the kind of like, the, he's kind of like, he's kind of turned into a hoss. In, in his later years from his shield. And he definitely, and he definitely amped up the MMA in the match. Like, he right. was definitely, he's, he's been doing the training, the MMA training on his own and stuff, and he clearly was trying to come up to Hager's level on the MMA side of things and do more of that style. And I just felt like it, cause it, it came out of nowhere, and even though they tried their best to hype it up, of, like, you know, getting all these people to talk about it and say how, how it was going to be the best match and all this kind of stuff, to me, it, just, it, it still came out of nowhere. It was yeah. one one angle that, that 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 they did it from, or maybe two or something like that. But it was really out of nowhere, and so I felt like it didn't warrant the thirty minutes. Like we haven't seen Hager do that much in AEW when it comes to in ring, and I don't feel like I haven't really seen Hager do that much in wrestling. Period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's like, not doing much since the All American American, like since Money in the Bank days. Like he's a World Heavyweight Champion, and like. His best matches to me were probably when he was tagging up with Cesaro, but I can't really tell you off, off top of the dome. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to watch this this Jack Swagger match. He, he burned it down. Like, I, I didn't really get it. I think I, I think a, I think across the board, the bar has been lowered over the last month, and I think it's a big thing that none of us have really talked about. The bar is lower. The crowd's not there. They don't have the energy to feed off of. They don't know if something's working in the ring or not. When you have a live crowd, you can call an audible mid-match and change things up. Without that, you go out there with the match that you either planned or the match you're calling as you go – based on how you feel and based on how your opponent feels. So I think that the bar, if it was here, is now down here. And we're looking at these matches going, it's good. It's like when someone gives you a hamburger and it's free, you're like, 
Burgers are okay. free burger. Meat on bread. I like meat on bread. <laughs> if I had to pay for this, probably not. But it's a free burger. It's a I mean, well, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And that's why like I I don't want to crap all over Moxley versus Hager because I did enjoy it overall. I was more just confused at the like people who were like, This was the most boring WrestleMania match in the history of WrestleMania. And they're like, you know, Moxley versus Hager was pretty good. And you're like, I think I saw, I saw the stat that Edge and Randy Orton was the second longest match in the history of WrestleMania, second only to the Iron Man match. I was like, well, I guess that kind of puts it in context for me a little bit. I guess. I, and, I, and I see why. I mean, this is the first time, and it was probably the shortest WrestleMania, if you're talking about by day. Like, it was probably, what was it, four, four hours? So I can understand why it would be a little bit of a longer match than their typical WrestleMania match for the past couple of years, which were like seven, eight-hour marathons. Granted, you've mentioned something about, uh, you know, not knowing what to to feed off of since there's no fans, right? Do you think this is where NXT and WWE kind of have the advantage over that company because they have the performance center, because most of these people have had like promo classes there and they could train there. And a lot of the, the coaches and the producers are still there. Do you think this is kind of like separating the haves from the have nots when it comes to pro wrestling? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they have a whole training facility there. They have, you know, I don't want they have like an enhancement talent factory there. You know, yeah. they've got, they literally, I mean, we've seen it. They've been using, so much of their guys. There's so many guys that I've seen in the past week. It's like Seth Rollins versus like Booby Mile. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. exactly. And, and I'm, so, I'm an old school guy, so I'm cool with some enhancement talent. I can I can do some jobber squashes. We need and more. These of guys, and the guys they're using, you know, it's 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 different than like back in the day when it was like local guy from Minnesota. These are like guys who they are training on how to make people look better anyways. So yeah. that's like why they're there. So this is like perfect for that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. They have the advantage. I mean, you've seen that AEW, um, they're using uh, indie talent. They, they seem to be using more indie talent to make up for it. Since like we talked about earlier, the MJFs and the young bucks of the, of the company can't come in for it. So um, yeah, I, I absolutely think that they, they, they gain from having this. I honestly think that within three two two months i think that they're going to be using the performance center they're going to be renting the performance center out i think they're going to be having boxing fights in there i think wow. they'll let ufc in there they have a whole production facility and they've now proven that they can continue doing this it would not surprise me to see them let to, to make more money i would just say that a lot of the aew workers are used to working in front of a very small crowd, you know, and maybe nobody like they're all indie workers. A lot of those people have wrestled in front of 12 people or 15 people or 115 people. So I think that that also does work in their favor. Maybe they don't have the, the same performance center background that they have or the promo classes, but I think those guys are used to working in front of a crowd. That's not given them anything or maybe not given them, you know, much reaction at all. So I don't know that for a lot of those guys, it is that different. And maybe if I'm an indie guy or I just signed to AEW and I go out there for an episode of Dynamite, maybe I'm not as starstruck by seeing 10 or 15,000 people out there or the bright lights. I'm just seeing a handful of wrestlers around the ring and I'm just having myself a match. Yeah. And, and, and when it comes to those guys, especially the indie dudes, 
it, it kind of you kind of feel for them because at this point, when you make it to AEW, it's almost kind of like their uh, TNA Impact with a super duper budget, right? Like a lot of times when Impact was getting popping, it was the first time I've seen a lot of these indie guys that I've heard of through the internet and through a lot of these places perform in a crowd bigger than like a gymnasium for the first time, right? And now. It almost feels like this might set the development of those guys back a little bit because, you know, granted, MGF is is a great talent and, you know, you got other guys who are great talents who haven't necessarily had those big crowds yet. But, you know, the Lucha Bros, they've performed in front of thousands of people. Young Bucks, thousands of people. Omega, Cody's. Not worried about those guys. But, like, the private parties of the world, like, those type of dudes. It's like they needed these this experiences in front of, like, the big arenas and the big stadiums. And now that they're not necessarily getting it, do you think that it could long-term hurt AEW and the development of it? And, you know, with all this brand-new talent on the uh, as, as a free agent on the free agent pool that are used to – wrestling for television crowds and wrestling for all this type of stuff. Do you think this could hurt the development of the brand long-term? Well, I think what's going to be, what, what, what I think what's really hurting here is, and you guys have seen it when you've been backstage at a wrestling show, soon as their match is over, their promo's over, they come through the curtain and they go, oh man, that was awesome. And right. you can immediately tell if it worked. And I think it goes back to what I was just saying. You could go out there and have an amazing match and not, really know that you had an amazing match because there's no energy to feed off of. And I think that is the one thing that's, uh, that's really hurting here. Uh, I think there's, there's a difference between getting out there and having your matches and having your reps and getting out there and having your matches in front of thousands of people every single week. I think that that just takes things up a little bit. Yeah. I, to answer your question, I think the development of the company does get hurt from this. I think that, you know, every, every, every company, is hurt in this right. not even wrestling like it's just the development of literally every company is hurt right like now the MCU like, is gonna hurt from this like because we can't you know see Black widow in a couple weeks like Exa- every exactly form of entertainment God, that already a couple weeks that was gonna come out now you know i mean, but it's it's rough for them and, and i get that so let's 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 switch topics a little bit here uh, WWE recently announced Money in the Bank Die Hard Edition, where it's going to... Uh, I was hoping you were going to bring this up. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yo, <laughs> I, listen, when it comes to ingenuity and creativity and, like, being able to, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken shit, like... I'm not just saying WWE, but, like, pro wrestling in general has always found a way to keep us entertained through this thing, right? So... This week, if you haven't heard and you're listening for this for the first time, they, uh, Money in the Bank for the first time will be a climbing the corporate ladder edition, which will take place in Stanford, Connecticut, and begin in the, the I guess, the first floor of WWE headquarters, work their way all the way up to the rooftop, climb the ladder, and I guess grab the briefcase from a helicopter or something? Like, No, no, there's... <laughs> There's a ring on top of the, from the pictures that leaked online of like the setup. There's still a ring on the rooftop of okay. of Stanford, and then you have to still climb the ladder. And there's like a picture, like a what's the word I'm looking for, like the X division match, oh, like, okay. like X. ultimate X like, type of thing. Yeah, but here. there's just one line instead of the X, and there's like two pillars, and they're I hanging. I was really it's hoping like, there'd be like a Mortal Kombat sort of helicopter at the top. <laughs> and like this man is like, get this if you want to live, and like. <laughs> Like that would have been 
You know, not even you like got, a real ladder. Throw those ladders like, down. Ladders down. Like, <laughs> when you see a movie from the helicopter where they just come rolling down. Climb the ladder. I was hoping he kind of crushed my dreams with that. I hope they hear this and they retape it now just because. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I was uh, saying that I hope that, they, you know, when they're going up the, the, the building, I hope that that they, you know, because I'm guessing they're going to break off a little bit. So, like, two guys will break off here and then we will follow them for a little bit. We're going to cut back to people and see how they're getting up to the top of the building. But I hope that, like, people get, like, you know, someone gets, like, speared into a room and it's a weird WWE-themed room of some sort, you know, like, the, the, the room of former talent releases or something like that, where like everyone's just sitting there, guys who like just like don't know what to do and they're just hanging out in this room or things like that, like weird yeah. things that you'd only see at WWE headquarters. Uh, I, I would like to see stuff like that. They got to go into Vince McMahon's office, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. They have to. They wouldn't. Is Vince in the office when they break in, though? When they when they break into it in the yeah, fight? He has to be. He has, he to, has be. to be, right? Have you, you've been to the, have you ever been to WWE headquarters? No. No. Yeah, right. me neither. So, yeah, so Vince's office is like it's sort of terrifying. Like it's like <laughs> a big red wall and like a giant dinosaur's head. Like yeah, over his, his, his desk. And uh it's I've only caught glimpses of it. It's it's near the top of the fly. You can't even take an elevator towards there. Like you have to get one of those. Like it's it's like the executive floor, right? key card kind of thing. Yeah, like you you wow. don't even get to that fucking floor, and there's like so oh, wow. in the headquarters, right? Um, wait, 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 I'm wait, I'm kind of interested in this because I didn't know. So wait, you you can't get there from like the regular elevator. You have to like stop at a different spot. So when you work there, they give you like one of these uh one of these little like swipey key card things, right? There's yeah. a swipey key card thing, and there's like your your live show, like WWE laminate that you take everywhere, okay. right? You need a combination of those things to go anywhere WWE related, right? Okay. So when you swipe the thing, like you, I would go to, I think, the fourth floor, and that's where there'd be like, you know, marketing and the creative team. And the creative team would be like, there'd be a Raw room, well, at, at the time, there'd be a Raw room, a SmackDown room, and then, like, a bunch of people, like, selling toys in, like, the back of the room, right? Okay, okay. And, you know, certain people had their own offices. Like, Caport have his own office. Uh, Road Dog have his own office. Uh, Koski, all the, all the big dogs, like, have their yeah. own shit. But, you know, everybody else would have the creative room. Then there's another room with, like, you know, on, on the other floors with, like, the executives. So, like, you know... Hunter has his own room there. Steph has her own room there. And in Vince's office, which you could only see with like, you know, some random, like random day. Like if you're, if you're on a certain assignment and like you have to stay and get something approved for a certain day, there'll be like the one in rare times you get to go to like inside Vince's office. And then you'll see the giant fucking T-Rex head. Wow. <laughs> it's like, it's very... It's very intimidating. It's very intimidating. I'm not even going to hold you. It's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, this is definitely one of those things I expected to be in Vincent Man's office. <laughs> is he going to want the match to go to his office and destroy things, though? I hope so. He's got, he's got to have a makeshift. He's got to have a Will the wrestlers have the key card to get into his office? <laughs> <laughs> it's something, you know? Like, he's gotta, How'd you get like, the key card, pal? <laughs> so I, there's to, one I, of two things that has to happen if they get into Vince's office. Either one, he just watches and goes like, "Ha, that's good shit, pal." Good shit. Or, or he's in there with a football player and he's going, "He's gonna puke. He's gonna puke." <laughs> it's got to be one of the two things that they get into Vince's office, and then they come in and he's like, "Oh, 
get out of here. We're doing it. Right. You know, <laughs> listen, if I, you know, left up to me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing my charger real fast. I didn't leave. Go, go ahead, bro. Uh, so when, when it comes to, to the money in the bank, uh, uh, pay-per-view, um, given the success of the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match, um, now, and and going into my theory about wrestling fans being the worst thing about pro wrestling, how far do you think the WWE will take this sort of post-produced main event world that they're jumping into now where, you know, they're pretty much filming sitcoms, you know what I mean, like as their main events? I'm going to guess that this continues until there's any sort of pushback because they're two for two right now. Yeah. You know? yeah they're Both really good. received really very good. well. It w- Gargano and Ciampa didn't, wasn't as well received. Well, that's, that wasn't that- included in my two for two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was talking Firefly Flood. Talking about off sites. Off sites. <laughs> and, though, you know, both WrestleMania matches were received very well. And I think that, you know, they were good and they were smart and there was good storytelling there. And, I think it was interesting because I think when we all first heard that they're going to film wrestling matches to look like movies, we all kind of collectively went, well, that's not, that's not wrestling. This is going to be so weird, but they've done, they did really well. So I think that if this continues to do well, I think that they just keep pushing this until they push it too far. And then maybe they'll reel it back a little bit. But don't you want them to push it too far though? Like that's what, that's, that's, what, wrestling that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Like the ability to do terrible things in the WWE is the things we always remember, right? Like it's like there's stuff that's edgy, that's edgy, that's edgy. And then Mae Young has a hand and we're like, okay, that's, that's, <laughs> that's far enough. <laughs> like it's edgy, it's edgy, it's edgy. And then like, Triple H humps a corpse. I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's the line. That's the line. So I'm, I'm willing to see when that line happens so I can be like, ah, this is – we're at this point now. We're at this point where, you know, they're creating this whole new sort of not even a fourth wall breaking sort of wrestling. But, you know, I mean, big up to Jeremy Barash and, you know, Matt Hardy and I guess if you're a fan of Lucha Underground, those sort of like really dope post-produced wrestling matches that – Especially in this time where you already employ so many TV and film writers who have worked on like big shits in the past, right? You already employ them so much. Now you're at the point where they literally, it's live or die with it. Like they're literally relying on like the expertise of television and film to create your main events and keep interest throughout this unprecedented time. Ryan, uh, where do you see the future of post-produced uh, wrestling matches going? Well, you know, I love the fact that, like, with the with their back against the wall, uh, they basically decided to push the boundaries of what their art can be. You know, like, wrestling is an art, you know? It, it's, it's, it's an art, and it's an entertainment medium, and to, to, to be able to, like, kind of take – take yourself out of the equation for a second and be like, look, I know this isn't what we would normally do. This wouldn't work with 80,000 people at WrestleMania, but how do we make things more entertaining, entertaining for the viewer at home who was watching this? Cause that's who we're trying to entertain. And I love that they've stepped out of the box with it. I think that the diehard wrestling fans do struggle with it a little bit. I think that the boneyard match was more well-received than the firefly Funhouse match for loyalists. Like right. my dad, who is like, who was not happy with the with the Firefly Funhouse match and was like, "What did I just watch? Did did I did the match start?" My dad was so mad. My dad was one of those. 
I tried to explain it to him and I was yeah. like, I tried to break it down for him of like, give him one of those like real nerdy rundowns of everything yeah. that like what they were trying to say. I was like, here, now rewatch it. And he was like, I would rather stab my eyes than rewatch that. <laughs> so like, so I, I, so I get that the hardcore lawyers don't like it. And I think that this one is going to be somewhere in the middle. It feels like, because you know, with the boneyard match, you had two guys for the most part that were fighting in one location. Uh, this is a much bigger undertaking. It's, I mean, this could be either really bad or one of the coolest matches WWE has done a long time. And we, you know, there's already the template out there uh, from DDT, who I'm not the biggest DDT watcher or loyal viewer, uh, but I do know that DDT loves this stuff. The the going through an office and wrestling, the, the videos you see of Kota Ibushi wrestling in the streets and then the, right. the forest and El Generico wrestling and you know in water and stuff that's the stuff you see that det did well they've done these matches so it's not hard to like go back and look and get a little bit of a template of like what has worked what hasn't worked and you know especially because it hasn't been done in front of american audience really you know it's right. been in japan and you know america loves stealing things from international <laughs> places and, and making well, we do and pretending they invented it <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> So, I mean, the, the templates are already there. So I actually, I am so excited for this. I am, I, I love ladder matches, but they've been hard to watch without a crowd. The, the, yeah. You know, the, the ladder match, not hearing the crowd yeah. go crazy when someone jumps off a ladder, it makes it really hard to be entertained by it. And I so, was so bad. Like, I was yeah, watching me too. The, I was watching the triple threat match, and you see John Morrison, God bless his, his soul, tightroping across the ring and doing a span of fly to absolutely no reaction. Nothing. Nothing. That deserves 80,000 people going crazy. (laughs) And they all talk about it in interviews. I've interviewed a few people, you know, that are stuck in quarantine and stuff, and they all say, like, it hurts 10 times more when there's nobody there in the crowd (laughs) to cheer for us. Like, it hurts so much because we don't have anything to feed off of. It hurts even more jumping off a ladder through a table and there's nobody there to like cheer. Oh, I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine it. So I thought this was a very inventive way of of getting around that. And also, you know, there's going to be, you know, a ladder match with a bunch of people in it. This kind of gets them away from the whole grouping that many people together at once thing. Mm. And that way, you know, like I said, two guys can break off in this room for a little bit, go fight. Then we cut to two, I, I think... I don't know. I think the guys in the girls' match is going to happen at the same time. That would be dope. I think it's because the picture, there's two ladders, and in the the picture that leaked online of, like, I don't know why someone at WWE tweeted the picture, but it it looks similar to, like, when there's a tag team uh, ladder match because there was two rungs for for title belts at at the top of the ring. So they wouldn't need that. You work there, so you know more than me on the production side of things. But if there was going to be, if they were going to be separated, they would have just one thing to hang the title from, not two, yeah. right? Maybe. I mean, I, I think, I think they were maybe trying to, to tip their hat to that, to maybe happening at the same time. And the match, and this is just me guessing. I have no idea. I haven't seen anything. This is probably going to be something that happens throughout the night, where like it starts at the oh, beginning of the I show. I like that. And then, like, like kind of go back. I'm thinking, like, you know, Roddy Roddy Piper parking lot, uh, uh, back lot brawl type stuff where it just kind of, like, happens throughout the night. And then, like, I guess they have whatever championship match that they're planned for at the performance center or whatever like that. That's a great idea. I didn't even think about that, but that makes a ton of sense if they were to do that. That actually makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. when you The WWE headquarters, like, you can't – I mean, if they're filming it in the offices, like, you can't fake nighttime. Like, it's yeah. just glass. So you're going to see it's going to be bright out. You're going to see, like, it's going to be – this was taped earlier in the day. So how do you get around that? Do you either tint the windows and make it look dark and make it act like it's happening, like, at nighttime? Or do you just make it a whole production where it's just kind of, like, segment by segment by segment – and then, like, you have, like, the end segment, like, right before your, your WWE title match or your Universal title match. And then that's your show. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, and this is just me guessing. I have no idea what they're going to – what they're planning on doing. Well, I think it's already filmed. I think it's already yeah, right. been filmed. Right. So, I think, like, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about all that. Because of the, the, the light and everything, it would be dark by the time the show was over. That is kind of more difficult yeah. to do. Yeah. I mentioned – I, I – I was already interested when they said the Boneyard match at WrestleMania, and I was like, and whatever that is, sold. Same with the Firefly Funhouse match. So the second they said, like, climb the corporate ladder, I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. Headquarters, <laughs> sold. Way more excited than I was before. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, last, last couple of questions I want to ask you guys before we get out of here. Um, obviously, it's a crazy time to be a wrestling fan. It's a crazy time to, uh, you know, in all forms of entertainment. Um, there's one thing that, you know, that has been sort of a positive towards this whole thing. And I'll ask you guys separately. When it comes to covering wrestling and enjoying wrestling, what has that been for you specifically, Chris, first and then Ryan? Well, I think the biggest advantage here is a lot of there's a lot of availability now. I mean, for the interviews that I've been doing, people's schedules have been wide open. And I've always said for the longest time, I love being able to do interviews in person because you get to feel off, you know, feed off their energy, look them in the eyes, shake their hand. I think the interview is that much better when you're doing it in person. So I've kind of pivoted and I've been doing my interviews the exact same way that we're doing this right now. Right. So that's been one positive here. And, you know, the people are just gobbling up all kinds of content online. So I think that that's definitely one positive here. I think the other positive, I think a lot of people maybe aren't focusing on is that things are going to get better. Mm. It's maybe going to take, you know, longer than we assume, but like this isn't the end. And I think that that is a real like silver lining in this, that when we all come out of this, like life is going to go on. Life is going to be better uh, for everybody all across the board. It's just, you know, it's, it's, Kind of sucks right now, but to keep that in mind, I think is a really important thing. Ryan, you're, you so got it. Was it just in wrestling or just in, in life? One of the positives, well, both, I guess. I mean, you know, Chris kind of nailed both in the head right there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess you know, for, for personally, um, I think it's been to for me, it's uh, been. An, understanding that that connection is important. You know, I, I, I am a hermit. I love staying home. I, I already am an introvert who never likes to go out. Um, and I realized that, you know, human connection is super important. I did take it for granted. Um, on the wrestling side of things, um, I mean, things have kind of stayed the same for me personally on, on the news side of things because I already work at home on, on a website 24 hours a day. Um, but for me, it has given me a, a, a much, much uh, deeper appreciation of the audience uh, in wrestling. You know, for so long, I was always that guy who was like, when people, when wrestling fans would complain about, um, you know, the crowd was so dead, that match sucked or this and that. I'd always be like, why do you care about the crowd? Who cares about the crowd? I'm watching the wrestling match. Uh, and now that without a crowd, I understand really that the, the crowd is 
the most important factor in all of wrestling. And I never really realized that. So I'm glad it's giving me an understanding of that. But, you know, uh, like, like Chris said, I'm just, you know, I'm looking forward to things getting back to normal. I just want things to get back to normal. Uh, I miss, I miss just things being normal. I want people to stop dying. I want people to stop losing their jobs. Uh, I, I just, I, I want things to get back to normal. Ryan, you couldn't have said it better myself, but I definitely would have left out the part about fan, wrestling fans being awesome because they're still the worst. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, thank you guys so much for doing this episode of Say Less. Uh, if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, you'll have this Tuesday. But if you're one of the few lucky people who subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kazim, you can watch it right now. You're probably watching it live. And thank you guys for tuning in. We kind of did this last minute as doing it live. Live. We're going to tape it, but it's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's Sunday. Let's have some fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it went well. So, uh, Chris, Ryan, appreciate you guys so much. You can follow yeah, thank Ryan, you. At Ryan Satin on Instagram and Twitter. You can check out his website, Pro Wrestling Sheet. And you can catch him sometimes on WWE Backstage on FS1. And my man, Chris Van Vliet. It was so awesome to finally meet you and talk wrestling. Yes, with likewise. Yes, yes. We got we to gotta do this once this whole thing is over. The next big uh, WWE, AEW wrestling sort of convention that we could have and we could do wally mania again one day we need you there buddy ryan's been to wally mania i don't know let's do it i'm in you gotta come it's it's a hell of a time i'm in you can follow uh chris at uh chris van vliet on uh instagram and twitter and you can and if you're not one of the quarter million of people who already follow him on youtube you can also (laughs) follow him on youtube.com slash chris van vliet thank you guys so much for listening to less with kaz uh, I will catch you guys next week. Be safe. Uh, I'm not catching you guys next week. I'm going to catch you guys tomorrow. It's a daily show. So appreciate <laughs> you guys for tuning in. And uh, say less, guys. Be safe and wash your goddamn hands. Peace. Peace.